0: Warren Morris, It's a deep drive down the right field line, that ball is gone! LSU wins the College World Series on a home run by Morris! What's up everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. Thank you for joining me. So in this episode, we will continue to preview the SEC East, taking a look at the Missouri Tigers and the South Carolina Gamecocks. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod YouTube channel, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. On Twitter, the account is at 60 ft 6 Pod. Once again, that's at 60 ft 6 Pod. Please make sure to hit that notifications bell and interact with me as well. Once again, there's going to be a ton of content leading up all the way to the opening pitch at Alec Box Stadium, and I don't want you to miss one minute of it. So, if you missed the last episode of the podcast, I previewed the Kentucky Wildcats and the Vanderbilt Commodores. I predicted Kentucky to go 7-23 in the SEC East, good for last place finish, and for Vanderbilt to go 16-14, and good for a fourth place finish in the SEC East. So to recap, I have Florida at number two, Vanderbilt at four, Georgia at five, and Kentucky pulling up the rear at seventh in the SEC East. Once again, that episode is linked on the Twitter account, and I will do the same for this one as well, giving you a link to the YouTube channel and the podcast. So let's get into it. First up, the Missouri Tigers. So Missouri finished 2022. They were 28 and 23. They finished last in the SEC East at 10 and 20, and they did not make the SEC tournament in terms of some team statistics for the 2022 team hitting. They were tied for six at a batting average of 283, second to last in hits and doubles third from the bottom in RBIs and home runs last in walks, but they didn't strike out a lot. They were the second fewest in the conference in terms of strikeouts as a team. So basically When you were going to face Missouri, they were going to get their hacks in and put the ball in play a lot. They were not very effective at it. I remember when they played LSU, it's basically anything that came over the plate, they were hacking at. They were very aggressive, looking to uh, put some swings on pitches early in the count and just basically roll the dice and see what happened. In terms of pitching, they had a 5.58 team ERA, which ranked 12th out of 14 teams in the SEC, last in opponent's batting average, last in batter's struck out. I bet you know where I'm going with this. They gave up the second most doubles, the fourth most home runs. So, basically, listen, as a staff, they didn't strike you out. They really didn't walk you. They just got hit and they got hit a lot. So, not a good year for the staff up in Columbia, Missouri. Fielding, not great at all. Even though they had one of the best shortstops in the SEC, I thought, with Josh Day, who got drafted, uh, they did turn a lot of double plays, uh, didn't make a lot of errors, but they fielded at a 976 clip. They did allow a lot of pass balls, I saw. That's one of the things that's out for me in the fielding category. So just not a good team overall, thus the 10-20 and record. So um, no big shock there. In terms of the 2023 schedule for Missouri, they are in the college baseball showdown in Arlington, Texas, at Globe Life Field. They will be there along with Vanderbilt. Once again, they will take on TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Um, In terms of the SEC schedule, they do open up with Tennessee. So welcome to conference play. They have two tough series versus Vanderbilt and A&M back-to-back, and then they kind of have another double uh, tough series, two tough series in a row back-to-back versus Florida and Ole Miss. This year, Missouri does miss LSU, Arkansas, and Mississippi State from the West, so they definitely catch a break there. In terms of the transfer portal, they did fill some needs with Arkansas backup catcher Dylan Leach. They also grabbed a four-year starting infielder from Nebraska, Cam Chick, and they also picked up former left-handed pitcher from LSU, Jacob Hasty. So some of y'all may have forgotten that he did leave the program with all the talent on the team this year. But uh, he bounced and transferred to Mizzou. They also picked up two pitchers from Arizona as well in the portal. In terms of 2023, now let's first take a look at their hitters. You know, who did they lose and who are they bringing back? What's that lineup look like this year? They bring back 61% of their home runs but they did lose Josh Day, and he hit 340 last year for the Tigers with seven home runs. They also lost Torin Montgomery, 367 with seven home runs, and then Fox Leum hit eight home runs as well. But good news for Mizzou fans, they do return Luke Mann, who led the team with 17 bombs, and he was second on the team with 43 RBIs last year. Uh, Another person they return on the end, besides Man is Trevor Austin he hit 297 with six home runs and then to fill out that infield remember they got the Nebraska starter Cam Chick they also have Justin Cologne who returns from last year's team and he hit 294 in 20 games so from an infield perspective you have Man, Austin and then plug and play with the Nebraska chance transfer Chick so you have three of your spots taken up right there so they're looking pretty good in terms of experience in terms of some uh hop on that infield. In the outfield, they're going to need some help. They do return Ty Wilmsmeyer and Ross Lovich and Carlos Pena. So they have three starters returning for, to the outfield, but those last two guys, Lovich and Pena, only hit in the mid-200s. So some work to do with the sticks, but a lot of experience returning from Mizzou. I realize they went 10-20 and 20 last year, but At least they have that to lean on. They've been through the struggles and the rigors of the SEC, so they should be more than well-equipped to handle this year's schedule. Pitching-wise, they lost weekend starter Spencer Mills, 13 games started. They also lost Nathan Landry, who had 15 appearances, who went forward two. Christian Wall, 17 appearances. And they lost their closer, um, Austin Cheeley, who had five saves. In terms of returners, it's kind of a mixed bag. They do bring back a couple of experienced arms. So you have Carter Rustad, who had a 4.73 ERA, 51 innings pitched. He only started three games, so a lot of his work out the bullpen. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to put him into a starting role this year. They do bring back one of their starters, Tony Newbeck, 5.63 ERA, nine games started with 54 innings pitched. So you're looking at potentially two weekend guys right there. And the third one is Austin Trusser, seven games started, 3.64 ERA, 3-2 three and two record. So I'd imagine between Newbeck and Trosser for sure as your weekend starters, and then probably Carter Rustad as well. So some good experience rolling back onto the mound for Mizzou. At the back end, Ian Loesch had 17 appearances and three saves, um, 23 innings pitched with 31 K, so above that one-to-one ratio that we talk about. So he could potentially slide in to that closer's role. And then you have Hasty, the LSU transfer, who offers you a good arm out the bullpen from the left side and they're going to look to those transfers to fill the um, kind of middle relief back into the bullpen or possibly even slot in as a weekend starter. 2023 prediction for the Missouri Tigers. I think they have some good experience in terms of the infielders, outfielders they, they bring back, and the hitters that they have. They have some pop as well with Luke Mann, and these two quality transfers are going to jump right in and play. I would imagine, especially with Cam Chick on the infield, and then obviously um, Dylan Leach, the backup Arkansas Catcher who transferred to Mizzou is going to be looking to start as well. They have a couple of good arms to compete for a little while in the SEC. I think I don't know how that's going to hold up um, over the you know the the long haul per se, and how that's going to hold up over um, ten series. We're just going to have to wait and see. I just worry maybe a little bit about that middle relief, and then the back end of that bullpen, and then you know do um, Rustad, Newback, and Trosser have the stuff to get you four or five? you know, so you're not blowing out your bullpen Friday and Saturday. With all that being said, I predict Mizzou to finish sixth this year ahead of Kentucky, and I predict him to go 9-21 and 21 in SEC conference play. We're filling up the SEC East pretty quick. only have two more slots to go. And I would, if y'all keeping up here on the 60-feet, 6-inch LSU pod, you know where we're going. But next up, the Gamecocks of South Carolina. And I'm going to admit, right off the jump, I knew absolutely nothing about this team before I started digging in and started looking at the stats and the schedule and how they finished up last year. I couldn't have named a soul off that team last year. Just persona non grata. They weren't even on my radar last year. So let's get into South Carolina. In 2022, they were 27 and 28. They went 13 and 17, which was good for fifth in the SEC East. They lost a play-in game in the SEC tournament. In terms of their statistics last year, from a team perspective, hitting, this is rough. Really, we've had some rough hitting teams or rough pitching teams, but this is really bad. Get a load of this: last in the SEC at two sixty three, last in slugging, last in runs scored. La- I am not making this up. Last in hits, last in on base percentage. I could keep going on, but it's actually kind of fun in a, in a weird way to say this. Last in doubles, triples, and home run—they're horrible. They just—they couldn't hit a lick last year. But they had some guys with some pretty good stats. It was just. They just had a – we look at the totality of their schedule. They just were not a good hitting team. So, brutal. Let's just use that word to describe their hitting last year as a team. Pitching, 11th in team ERA at 5.41. Second to last in opponents' batting average against at 263. Um, Second most wild pitches. Second to last in terms of batters struck out. So, not great on the pitching side either. Uh, Fielding, not great either. They had a uh, 974 clip, which was good for 11th in the SEC. Fourth most errors, um, really towards the low end in, in most of the fielding metrics. Look forward to 2023 for these guys. Their schedule, they're actually ranked in the top 25 by D1 Baseball. They come in at 23rd. They have a three-game home series versus Clemson. And besides that, their non-conference is an absolute joke, which probably a good thing after coming off a 13-17 and record in 2022. But uh, if you're a Gamecock fan and you're looking for some exciting series to go see, not going to find it this year. Their SEC schedule, they have a really tough four-game stretch that will probably determine how successful a season these guys have. They're at State versus LSU, at Vandy versus Florida. Really tough right there. And then they wrap it up with, oh, by the way, at Arkansas, home to Tennessee to finish the season. So it could get a little spicy there in South Carolina land towards the end of the year, especially with Tennessee coming in town to finish that up. You know, that's going to be exciting. They returned six position players and nine pitchers this year, and they do have a preseason All-American and right-handed pitcher, Will Sanders. So there is that. that's one of the reasons why they're ranked. And actually, in, in doing some research reading some articles and whatnot, there's a lot of optimism around this South Carolina team this year. In the transfer portal – I found them to be ranked either ninth or 16th in terms of their class. And they also got five out of the top 100 portal players per Baseball America with number 36, Will McGillis from Southern Miss as the highest ranked player. They also have a top 25 high school recruiting class coming in for 2023. So things look like they're on the up and up for South Carolina. In terms of their hitters, This is who they lost, okay? We know it wasn't pretty. I always mention everything was last. It was like I was a record on a repeat. But they did lose some of their bigger bats. In fact, they only returned 33% of their home runs for 22, for, excuse me, of their home runs from 2022. And they only bring back one out of their top four RBI producers. So they lost Brandon Belk, who led the team with a 340 batting average and six bombs. They lost big power, and RBI and Andrew Easter, who hit 318, 53 RBIs and 10 home runs. They lost another 15 home runs and 31 RBIs with the departure of Josiah Seitler. So right there, boom, Belk, Easter, Seitler, three of their top four hitters are gone. Good news is they do return that fourth top hitter and infielder Braylon Wimmer. Last year he hit 312 with seven home runs. He was 13 of 14. And stolen bases and he drove in 35 runs. So a pretty good stat line for the infielder at Wimmer there. They also returned Michael Braswell who hit 284. Kevin Madden hit 244. And both of those guys started 54 and 53 games respectfully. So between Wimmer, Braswell, and Madden, you had guys that started nearly every game last year. So a lot of experience coming back for South Carolina. But they're going to get huge boost potentially. Once again, these are transfers, but these are guys that played. You know, this guy, Will McGillis, played at Southern Miss. That beat LSU and lost to Ole Miss in the Super Regionals. So McGillis last year, he had 16 home runs. And that's saying a lot when South Carolina only has 19 home runs returning to their team. On top of that, outfield key transfer Caleb Denny from Oral Roberts. He hit 311 with 11 home runs. So the rest of the outfield is going to have to help him out. And They're going to really have to pick it up. They don't have a ton of experience in the outfield besides Denny, the transfer from Oral Roberts, and the rest of those guys. When you look at the stat sheet of returners, they all hit around 200. So, Just take into account that these two transfer portal hitters, Will McGillis from Southern Miss, Caleb Denny from Oral Roberts, hit more home runs combined than all the returning players for South Carolina. No, you did not hear that incorrectly. So I'm sure you're excited about that if you're a South Carolina fan, but maybe you're also a little worried, saying we got two guys from the portal that had more home runs than we have coming back on our team this year. So I'm not sure how to feel about that, but if I was a Carolina fan, I would spin it and I would be excited about it. Pitchers are the absolute strength of this team. Now, I know the stats weren't pretty last year, and they lost one of their studs to injury in James Hicks. So he had Tommy John last year. He's a big question mark. Um, a lot of people have high hopes for them this year. So if he can come back from surgery, from injury, healthy and slowly ramp back up, that's going to be a big addition for this Gamecock pitching staff. But they do return the preseason All-American Will Sanders. 15 games started last year, 7-3 record, 3.42 ERA, very nice, 89 innings pitched, 91 Ks. So he was an absolute workhorse for the Gamecocks last year. They also returned Noah Hall, 12 games started, 3-5 record 4.34 ERA 76 innings pitch and he got drafted last year turned down the money wanted to come back to school for unfinished business in the pin they returned Kate Austin 27 appearances a very experienced dude 3.17 ERA 5 and 2 record very nice with 54 innings pitch that's a ton of innings pitch coming out that pin and they also returned their closer Matthew Becker who had four saves 21 appearances 48 innings pitch, 68 Ks. So once again, above that one-to-one ratio. So they have Sanders coming back, who started a ton of games for those guys last year. We can start or pencil him in. Noah Hall, we can start a pencil him in, started 12 games last year. James Hicks, question mark, after surgery. But on the pin, you got your setup guy, and then you got your closer. Or maybe Kate Austin can maybe even move him to a starting role. Having Matthew Becker at the back end solidifies that 8-9 inning slot right there. So I'm excited about their pitching staff. Interested to see some of these guys pitch this year. Now that I know who they are, kind of know the excitement building around South Carolina, or at least from a rankings perspective. So 2023 prediction. If you couldn't tell, I'm calling it. South Carolina is going to be the sleeper team in the SEC East. The articles, the stats, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. They convinced me. And you've got to have fun with this, right? It's predictions. It's too easy to go chalk. Let's have some fun with this. I think Carolina is going to be the sleeper, the surprise team. And the reason why I have confidence in them is really because of their staff and because those two portal guys, I think they're really going to make an immediate impact on top of Braylon Wimmer coming back and some of those other experienced guys that started all those games just another year under their belt. But to me, it's the pitching staff, hands down. I know they couldn't hit a lick last year, and they're returning some of those players, but um, I just feel really confident about the Gamecocks. Plus, their out-of-conference schedule is a joke. They may not lose a game, so they're going to have time to build up a ton of confidence before they get into conference play. So that way, they'll be ready to roll. They're going to know what they're all about. They're going to know who fits where. And uh, they're going to have a lot of momentum. And y'all know South Carolina in the past, obviously, they won back to back College World Series. They will support that program. And if this team gets off to a hot start and they're, you know, 13, 14, 15 and 0 coming out the gate, that ballpark is going to be packed. And they also open with Georgia and Mizzou in the SEC. So, week non conference, two of the weaker teams in the SEC East. So, they have a chance to go 4 and 2 or 5 and 1 right out the gate. And I predict them to go four and two in those six games. That's before heading into that crazy stretch, which I mentioned earlier, like State, LSU, Vanderbilt, Florida, and then once again they wrap it up with Arkansas and Tennessee. So maybe by the time they get to Arkansas and Tennessee, they have enough. They did enough damage early on, and then they kind of held their own in that four game stretch. Well, maybe they're looking at a, a regional host site, a top sixteen seed. You know, I know they don't seed all the way out to sixteen, but a top sixteen ranking and fighting to where they can put that bid in that great fan base and that great ballpark and say, look at us, South Carolina, we're back, baby. So, in the end, I think South Carolina is going to go 16-14 and in the SEC East. They have the potential, potential, to battle Vandy and Florida for 2-3, and but I predict South Carolina to eke out Vandy. That's my prediction. So, so far, Florida at 2, South Carolina at 3, Vandy at 4. Georgia at five, Mizzou at six, and then Kentucky bringing up the rear at seven. So we all obviously know who I have as number one in the SEC East, and Tennessee will be reserved for their own episode. They're just—they're so big. I got to do it on their own. Plus, they still don't have some things on their website that I'm looking for. All right, that's going to do it for this week's SEC East preview of Mizzou and South Carolina. Thank y'all for tuning in. As a reminder, like, subscribe, comment. To the YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter at 60FT6INLSUPOD. The podcast, as y'all know, will be available Apple, Google, Spotify, other major audio platforms. On deck, we're going to turn our attention to the SEC West and leading us off, Alabama Ole Miss. So that episode will be dropped Monday, February 6th, I will bring Tennessee back into the fold probably at the end of last week. And once again, it will be its own episode. So until next time, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.